Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for the first official mock draft of the NFL Draft Year of Our Lord 2022, courtesy of Jake Simone right here on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Ed Birdsall, Jake, are you ready? We made it. We made it. I, I cannot. It's like I really love this time of year, but I'm this year in particular, I'm kind of looking forward to it being over. And then it, the calendar striking May and we can enjoy our summers. And then after July 4th, we can kind of dust off the cobwebs a little bit and start looking at some fantasy stuff. And then as soon as August 1st hits, just full on go football. August 1st comes and, and life ends, but we get to we get to July 4th and we have like a two-month interlull of sorts where things kind of calm down. I'll be on vacation for the month of May. This is gonna be it's gonna be so nice. I'm sick. I'm very sick. So I mean, of, of course, the week of the NFL draft and and I am sick. I'm better today than I was on Monday, but yeah, I feel somewhat really close to death at the moment but i'm here i'm here and, and that is that is most certainly what matters and this is the perfect show for me not to necessarily have to carry it, it, it's 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 great that yeah. that really normally how you and i do it is like 50 50 sort of thing but today given the layout of the show you are 90 percent carrying the show today and i am completely okay with that we pick each other up here. And- yes. Oh, yes, we do. So I have your mock in front of me. Jake decided not to do it with trades. Thank you so much for this, for the sake of just making this the cleanest mock of all time. Very easy for everybody to follow along. Um, Adam and I will be recording our mock episode Wednesday night. That'll be available for you on Thursday. You'll be hearing this episode. Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. This will be in your inboxes. And then, of course, just a friendly reminder, Thursday night after the first round, Adam, myself, and then a snippet of Jake while he is in Atlantic City will be reviewing the first round of the draft. So let's just get right into it. No one quick question today. No deep sleeper, nothing like that. This is all business. Straight shooting. this This is business time. And we start with the number one pick. Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot has come out about the number one pick over the last couple of days. I wrote a column about the number one pick, TalkingPointSports.com. If you want to go check that out, please feel free. Jake, who do you have as the number one pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Sir, take it away. All right. I just want to preface my comments regarding the entire mock, especially this pick in particular. A lot of this is based off of what I think will happen and it's a combination of things that I'm hearing reading and also my overall rankings too Uh, so not what I would do far from it because we obviously did the position groups at length but I am going with Trayvon Walker edge rusher out of Georgia I think that's who's going to be the number one overall pick and Vegas agrees as well I don't think I've ever seen as big of a shift within 24 hours However, from however, Hutchinson favorite to the Walker. Go ahead. I don't even think Hutchinson's the set. I think it's Walker or Ikiakuanu. 
at this rate. I think, I think, I think it very well could be a Quano whose odds in the Vegas market was plus 1200 up until this morning where it's now plus 300. Mm-hmm. So there might be this, the, the Aquanu thing is interesting because it could kind of be like a Baker Mayfield thing. I don't know if you remember from the 2018 draft. Of course I do. Day of. Where it was slowly, it was slowly getting there. We heard whispers and then the day of it's like Boom. Baker's going one. I can see that with the Quanu. I really can because we, we had it right with darn. It was going to be Darnold and then, Oh, there's Josh Allen. He's shooting up the boards and wait day of it's, Baker Mayfield. It could be like that this year. So not what I would do, but it makes sense. He's a Trent Balky type of guy. A, a Trayvon Walker he can do all different things on the defensive line. We'll see how it goes for him. But yeah. Yeah. Trent Balky just, he loves those highly athletic, um, super versatile players. It's, it's kind of like where he makes his, his living. And it really shouldn't come as a surprise that Walker seems to be the guy that he is in favor of than you of the ownership who seems to be in favor of Hutchinson. Hey, Jacksonville, what about the guy that's in charge of actually running the football team? What about the coaching staff? What, what, what does your new head coach want? That's why I think it ultimately could be a quantum because you could have a situation with Khan wanting Hutchinson and Balky wanting Trayvon Walker, and then you have the tiebreaker being Doug Peterson say, listen, we need we have Trevor Lawrence, who will hopefully be our quarterback for the next 15 years. Cam Robinson, yeah, he's, he's pretty good, but he's only signed for on the franchise tag. We, we don't know if we can get a long-term deal done, and I don't think Cam Robinson is like anything to write home about to be your left tackle. No. Walker Little, they drafted last year in the second round. That was an Urban Meyer guy. That was not a Doug Peterson offensive lineman. I think it just makes a lot of sense because you can just kick – Iquano in at guard, and if Walker Little isn't the guy, you can play him at right tackle. And then next year, if you don't sign Cam Robinson back, you have a left tackle. So I I wouldn't sleep on Icky, but right now I'm going to have Walker for the sake of this mock. Let's go straight to number two. Number two, the Detroit Lions. Jake, is this where Aiden Hutchinson comes off the board? Easiest one in the book to me. Aiden Hutchinson is the biggest shoe-in. If he's available at number two, you don't even need to think about it. He will go two to the Detroit Lions. Went to the University of Michigan, is a Michigan kid, and he'll more than likely playing his football in in Detroit with Dan Campbell. Yeah, it's a good fit, and he's a Dan, and he's a Dan happy. Campbell guy. Y- yeah, you have to be Dan happy if you're the Lions. So I, that one was an easy one for me. Yeah, that was a super easy one for uh, for me as well. Spoiler alert: I, I did have Hutchinson going number two to the Lions as well. Uh, number three. The Houston Texans, a lot of different things the Texans could do here. Listen, I really debated back and forth on this one. The Derek Stingley noise appears to be real, but I think he's more of an option at 13. I think that's kind of where all that noise is coming from with Nick Casario and Lovey Smith, who Lovey Smith is not the biggest. He's he's a lot like kind of like a Robert Sala is for the Jets. He's not big, he's more on pass rush and defensive line play than he is corners. He thinks if you get to the quarterback and knock him on his butt, that can minimize a passing attack as opposed to lock down corners, with, especially with how the rules are going. So I'm going Iki Aquanu, my overall number one player in the draft. I think right away, listen, they have uh, Naomi Tunsil. They have the Howard uh, kid on the other side on the offensive line. If, if you play Aquanu at guard right away, 
eventually a franchise tackle. Lermy Tunsil could be moved at some point for some more assets, and you have a Quanu that could be a franchise left tackle. I don't think the Texans are looking at this or looking at their roster like, okay, we need this, we need that. I think they're looking for good football players, if that makes sense, and I think the future is more of what they're aiming towards. And if you're telling the Texans that you can find your franchise left tackle at, I think, only like 22 years old or something ridiculously young that is a Hiaquanu, I think they're signing up for that with the third overall pick. They have to build. They have to build on something. This is an also this is a great spot to potentially trade down, but this is just over the last 24 hours or so, there hasn't been as much movement potentially going on in the top five in terms of trades as there was a week ago. That it's been kind of a little slow on on the trade front just because of the, the quarterback class it, it, it's just not you don't have that one franchise game changer that teams are willing to just sell the farm for I agree I don't I, I don't think I think the tackles are a little bit of an exception I think a team would would trade up for a tackle I think there's a significant drop off in talent from the tackles as opposed to the other positions I think that the tackle class is the best amongst in terms of high-end talent is the best in this whole class. And that's why I kind of have a little bit of a run on tackles in this early part of the draft. Spoiler alert. So let's shoot right to number four, your New York jets. Yeah. There's a lot of noise around this one. I think this doesn't surprise me with, since Joe Douglas has been in town yesterday, Jermaine Johnson was the guy right today. It was Icky Aquanu. I don't think that's much of a coincidence. I'm going to stick with what I've heard all along. I think, you would be a fool to dismiss months of talk and what just, you can't just dismiss things you've heard for months over 48 hours of talk, because that's out there for a reason. And I truly think if a team wanted something out there, it wouldn't be out. There. You know what I'm saying? If, if they, they don't want something out there that they don't want out there. And I think this is a good game of poker that the jets are playing because I I'm going to stick with it. I think they will take Kayvon Thibodeau at number four. If he is ultimately on the board. Every team this time of year likes to play a little bit of poker and they like to control the narrative a little bit and put out there what they want out there and then withhold what they want to withhold. And I think everything surrounding the Jets with Sauce Gardner, with Jermaine Johnson, it's all leading towards with Ike Aquano. It's all leading towards a swerve, but that swerve being the thing that we've all kind of assumed for for months and months and months that Thibodeau will be the guy if he is available because Houston still retains an interest in him at number three. So that could be another spot for him. But I mean, yeah, if Thibodeau is there, he just, he just is that he's the one that makes the most sense for the Jets. I, I and just fits the biggest need for them. I find it just very hard to believe the Jets leave day one of the draft without Robert Sala's edge rusher on the other side of Carl Lawson. They need to hit the quarterback next year. And you know, you want to sell me on Iki Aquanu, fine, but you can't draft Iki Aquanu and then have him, Makai Becton, and George Fan come into training camp and have a guy be the odd man out. That that cannot happen. If you're going to sell me on trading Makai Becton, okay, we can have a conversation about that or trading George Fan, even though I think Becton makes a little bit more sense to move in this instance. Okay, maybe we can have a conversation. We don't know everything that will be on there. We don't know everything that's going on right now with Makai Becton. Could he be out of shape? Could he not be committed? 
we don't know that. So if that's why they'll draft Dickie Aquanu, great. I just find it hard to believe a team that had two sacks from their leading edge rusher from a year ago on the outside and a defense that needs to hit the quarterback, particularly off the edge. You have to take an edge rusher. And I, I it's just I, I heard Jermaine Johnson was a little bit more of a guy if Kayvon Thibodeau isn't there or maybe at 10 they could hope he's there. If I, I, I'm dismissing this whole Thibodeau talk at the really I, I haven't heard anything different and I'm going to stick with what I heard and just go based off that man would corner make sense for the Jets because I it, I, I kind of look at it too is if you're not yeah. going to go edge rusher you have Stefan Diggs who's going to be in this division for the long term the Dolphins just got Tyreek Hill the Dolphins said you know what here to the Patriots here just have Devontae Parker for free doesn't I, I hear corner make some level of sense as well? Because you have to have somebody co- cover those guys. It does. I hear what you're saying. But, again, it doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what the people that are in charge think. And we even heard Joe Douglas say this and Robert Salas say this at the owners' meetings. Listen, the way you minimize those high-priced receivers and those $30 million, $40 million a year quarterbacks is knocking the quarterback on their ass. And this is the time to do it. I think it's Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson. Thibodeau, if he's there, and if Thibodeau is gone, it will be Jermaine Johnson. I'm not buying the tackle talk, and I'm, I've am i never bought into the sauce, if you know what I'm saying, with Sauce Gardner. The barbecue sauce? That was, that was a thing. Sunday you, sauce. Uh, you, oh, the Sunday, Sunday, the Sunday sauce. sauce? The Sunday, Sunday sauce. Gra- you, it's really Sunday gravy, but we'll yeah, say Sunday, Sunday sauce. Sunday gravy for the uh, – Sunday sauce for the uncultured people. Yes, yes. For the cultured people, the Sunday gravy. Moving from one New York, New Jersey team to the other, going from the Jets to the Giants, one of the Giants' two first-round picks, one of their first picks in three overall selections there, number five. Yeah, uh, Jake, what do you got? I'm going Evan Neal. I think this is more of my logic. I just have to go with common sense, right? And I, I my mind goes back to the draft where they drafted Andrew Thomas and how often did we hear in that draft that they're going to take Jedrick Willis? That was always their guy. And I think that is kind of what's happening with Charles cross. So I just don't know how somebody can look at Charles cross and think he's a better tackle than Evan Neal. Just quite frankly, I don't, I'm not saying I'm not high on cross because I think cross is a plug and play tackle. I really do, but I don't think he's this all pro perennial. Evan Neal could be one of the five best tackles in football, along with Iggy Kwanu. I really think these are two of the best tackles. I think if both of these guys came out in the Makai Becton draft with, you know, uh, Jedrick Willis, Tristan Wirfs, these guys might have gone before both of them, right? All those guys. These might have been the first two tackles still taken. So I'm going with Neal, and it could be cross, but. I just – I can't buy it, man, bottom line. I don't have any, like, information on this, but – If it is cross, I, I literally said it on, on our Sunday mailbag. If if it is Charles Cross for the Giants, Giants fans just don't listen to the podcast Thursday night. Just don't listen to it. It really would be I, – I just I can't see it. But I have heard, though, that teams – this could also be a ploy to get – we see this every year – to get guys to fall down on the board, apparently – Teams are a little concerned about the hip and the knee of Evan Neal. Sure, and he's a, he's a big man, so those injuries are not going to be it's, as you know. I think it's all bull. It's BS, though. That is I, that that yeah. screams to me like Seattle at nine, praying that he falls or mm-hmm. something like that, or a team outside top ten. 
I agree. Maybe looking at a Washington or a Minnesota or maybe even a Baltimore. That's just hoping that it would fall to them. But no, I mean, you you have Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Evan Neal at right tackle. And then depending on how you feel about Andrew Thomas, when his contract uh, is up, if you want to exercise his fifth year option, you go ahead and do that. If not, you could let him walk and you have your franchise left tackle for the next 10 years and Evan Neal. I like it. I like it a lot. Number six, the Carolina Panthers. Jake, is it a quarterback? I You see, a lot of people say, talk about Baker Mayfield. It has to be a quarterback to me, man. And a lot of people like Malik Willis. I truly think it still might be 50-50, but I look at it like this, man. And, and you can agree with me with this logic or disagree with me. Matt Rule has to win this year. I don't think he can afford a project at quarterback, a guy that might not be ready. I think he needs a guy that he is 1,000% certain can be their starting quarterback on week one. And to me, that guy in this whole draft is Kenny Pickett. We obviously know about the history. Matt Rule wanted Kenny Pickett to go play at Temple. David Tepper is a Pittsburgh uh, alumni. Kenny Pickett's ready to play on week one next year. I firmly believe that. I don't know if he's going to be this upper echelon quarterback, Right, away, especially right away, but I think he's a day one starter, and I think he's better than Sam Darnold week one of the NFL season. So Rule can get a guy that he can show his bosses. We're making progress this year. we got a rookie quarterback. We'll hopefully win more games this year. They have pieces in place, Carolina. I think they did a nice job upgrading the offensive line. They have the receivers. They have Christian McCaffrey, and a defense that was the number one defense in the league for a good portion of last year. So I, I really like this fit a lot, but – I could also see this potentially being a tackle spot, but I'm going with the quarterback here. I almost think it has to be. And everything that I've heard has suggested that Carolina is not interested in Baker. They're not interested in Jimmy Garoppolo either. So it comes down to, are you going to roll with Sam Darnold? Are you going to bring back Cam Newton? Or are you going to draft a rookie and hope that that rookie is going to be the guy in due course and if you're looking for the most ready guy Kenny Pickett is your answer and I I honestly I would have a lot of questions with with Carolina if they decide to go anywhere else unless we're talking about a real blue chip that's falling to them unless it's a listed there's an Evan Neal or an Icky Aquana that falls into their laps and then there's a real decision that has to be made because and then yeah I can understand passing up on a quarterback when you have Evan Neal and Nikki Aquanu when you have real issues to address in your offensive line. But if both those guys are gone and you don't take a quarterback, what, what, what are you doing? Neil, the Neil will, Evan Neal will tempt them. I don't know about Aquanu tempting them because remember last year they had the whole thing with Rashawn Slater. They didn't know if he was a tackle or a guard. Sure. Aquanu was kind of that mold. I loved Slater last year. And I love Aquanu this year. I guess I love those kind of guys, but I digress. Matt Rule, though, would be tempted by Evan Neal, especially with his skills and pass protection. I think that, but you need a guy if you're Matt Rule. You have one, sh- and I find it hard to believe Matt Rule ha- hasn't really taken that stab yet at quarterback as a head coach, and you only get to be a head coach once most of the time. Don't you think he wants to take that chance? I would think so. He's never had his guy. I mean, he's had a stopgap option in, in Sam Darnold. Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he had Teddy he had a, a fossilized Teddy Bridgewater. Now he's got an opportunity to, to have his guy. And Carolina does not have to make the playoffs this year. 
but they have to show that they're not going to be a barren wasteland. And they're not going to compete. Like if we're talking about Carolina in week 12, week 13, and their season is done, that's a problem. Yeah. Especially if they don't have a quarterback to really like bank on for the future. So Correct. long story short, I'm pretty confident about Pickett going here. Yeah. You, you, you have to sell the program. You have to sell something to yes. uh, Dave Tepper at the, at the end of the day. And Kenny Pickett could be the, the, the selling point to keep Matt rule around. If, Things don't work out this year for one more year next year, potentially. Seven, the Giants once again. Jake, what do you got? This one I am extremely confident about, unless they trade out. It's Sauce Gardner. I would not be surprised if the Giants took him at five, but the thing is, I think they go Neil because I don't think they want to tempt Carolina at six to take a tackle and then have Neil not being there. With Sauce Gardner, Carolina's not taking a corner again for the second year in a row. That's not happening. So you can put it in however much order, but I think the order that I have, it makes sense. I think the Giants like Gardner the most. I would not be surprised if the Giants have Sauce Gardner as their number one overall player, if we're being completely honest. And with Don Wink Martindale running the defense, heavy blitzes, tons of man coverage, and that's where Sauce Gardner really, really thrives in that single press on an island, no safety help type of defense. It's a match made in heaven right here for the Giants, especially with James Bradbury expected to be moved on the day of the draft or draft weekend. Yeah, I mean, this is this is either the heir apparent to James Bradbury or you have a guy that could be a great partner to Bradbury for one year. And, or Dory Jackson, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You also have a Dory Jackson there, and you can have three corners if that's the way they roll, but James Bradbury is not going back there. Just no, they can't afford the draft right. class with his con- right. contract. They can't right. even afford five and seven at this current moment in time. They have right. to make a trade. Right. So he's he's basically dead and buried, barring yeah. any restructure. But I, I I think he he already declined the restructure. I'm pretty yeah, sure. He, he, he's gone. I would be shocked yeah. if Kansas City doesn't try trading for him. If they should. Honest. They yeah. should. I don't know why they haven't. Or Buffalo. I mean. Or Buffalo. Or Buffalo, yeah. All right, Atlanta, number eight. Jake, what do you got? Uh, truly one that I, yeah, truly one that I have no idea because they can go a, a litany of ways, but I went with the pass catcher because, I mean, do do we even know who the number one receiver is for the Atlanta Falcons? So, I can no. tell you who it is. It is Olabidi Zacchaeus. This yeah, exactly. Like, that's not cutting it. I'm going with Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. I think Jamison Williams might tempt them because they're kind of in a rebuilding mode and they can afford to wait on him, but. Garrett Wilson is kind of that guy they had in Calvin Ridley. Like they really mirror each other's game pretty closely, Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson and Calvin Ridley. And he's ready to go week one. I think they want to give Marcus Mariota a fighting chance. Heard a little bit of a nugget about Atlanta. Don't be surprised they try trading a second round pick for Jordan Love on draft weekend either. I would not be surprised. And if they would lo- if they wanted to do that, they would need a pat. They really need a, a go-to receiver and give them at least a fighting chance or if they draft the quarterback next year what are they going to do not have a receiver for him to throw the ball to because i'm sure calvin ridley won't be back on that team next year they were ready to trade him this offseason i believe calvin ridley's due for a new contract next year anyway yes he is so he's not there for the long term you get a guy in garrett wilson that's the, the number one receiver on a good amount of teams boards although he's not on mine and and you're ready to roll from day one i was gonna say i mean I, i'm when I did my mock spoiler alert and I was just kind of looking at 
the receivers, I have Garrett Wilson going to going to Atlanta, and I thought that was a, a shock. Apparently, it's not. Apparently, there are no. more there are more teams than not that have Garrett Wilson as their number one ranked receiver, more so than they have Drake London or even Jamison Williams. Which to me, I mean, I like Garrett Wilson more than you do. I know I know that for a fact, but not num- not not the number one receiver in the class. No, not me. Like I said, this does not reflect my rankings. It's a lot of the research and a lot of, you know, what people that are more connected than I am tell me. So it, it, but also, you know, if I'm hearing mixed things and everything's about equal, yeah, I might go with my overall rankings to justify a selection. So yeah, it's a tie break. It's a tie break. Exactly. Number nine, the Seattle Seahawks. They can go a ton of different directions, the Seahawks. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, I think a quarterback might tempt them, if we're being completely honest. I do. But I think they hold off and get a guy who could end up being the best player in this whole draft if he reverts back to form in Derek Stingley Jr., the corner out of LSU. And this is kind of their stab. John Schneider and Pete Carroll potentially making their last draft pick together as the leaders of the Seattle Seahawks. And they've never really been in a position to draft a truly special, special talent like Derek Stingley. I think they capitalize on that. And let's be honest, they really need a corner too. And they invested a ton of draft capital and assets in that safety position with Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. You need corners as well. And if you want to recreate the Legion of Boom, this might be the right the right place to start out in LSU. You need outside guys. I mean, you could invest as much as you want to the safety position, but you're not going to go anywhere if you don't have any help on the outside. And Derek Stingley Jr. would provide that. He, he he would. They can go edge rusher. They can go offensive line. Quarterback is another option for them. But I do like the, the Stingley fit in Seattle because he also, with how passionate that crowd is in Seattle and how passionate of a player Stingley is, that's just that that's a match made in heaven. It really is. I'm I'm pretty confident about. It. I'm gonna say that a lot about my picks. And when we when we get to you know, I'll tell you at the point where I'm like, eh, this is kind of a toss up. But I think the folks in Seattle are high on Derek Stingley. I think three to nine will be where Stingley goes in this draft. I cannot see him getting past number nine. Number ten, the New York Jets once again. Jake, you've been. Talking about this pick for forever and a day. This yeah. should not come as a surprise to anybody. Yeah, I, I'm going with Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama, but let me explain. I think Joe Douglas is looking at this draft with a bigger picture, and the Jets are not that desperate at wide receiver. I think the Jets are not just looking for a receiver. I think they're looking for a great wide receiver, a wide receiver one. And if Joe Douglas truly believes that this guy can be that for this football team and he has questions about the other guy's abilities and doesn't have that with Jamison Williams' talents, just the ACL injury, and his medical staff said he should be back okay, no problem, just need to wait, I think Douglas will wait. I I truly do. I think they might want to trade back to see if they can still get him while still getting more assets. But, But there's a white whale. There's a white whale. I think the Jets might get somebody else. At I don't know if uh, they're going to trade the 10th pick, but I don't know. 
it's heating up, and you know what I'm talking about. Are we talking about Debo? I'm pretty confident. I'm I'm not gonna get uh, in too much detail and get too off topic, but yeah, very interesting because we because without without saying that we haven't that we've heard two different things, we've heard two different things. No, I I'm pretty confident. Well, they have going to leave it there. They have 48 hours to uh, to work that out because guess what? If we get to 10 overall and Debo Samuel is not a member of the New York Jets, wide receiver becomes very much open for discussion. The second they hand that card in and it has a receiver's yeah. name on it, then kill any receiver to the Jets talk. You don't know that. I wouldn't. I think after we get on, thir- if thirty-five comes and they don't make any trades, because they can still trade for Jamie. They you can still trade for Debo Samuel if they get Jamison Williams. Being completely honest with you, because then you have you can you don't have to rush Jamison Williams back. You have Corey Davis who won't be on the team next year. Braxton Barrios that really doesn't make. He makes what three million? Like you know, anywhere between three to five. He's a fourth wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You, you could go into next season with the scenario where you have Debo, you have. Elijah, give me, give me more on the inside. Love him, great guy. And then, and then you have Jamison Williams, fully healthy for a full year next year. So I, I again, I agree with your logic. I think you're probably right, but this, this, there's no coaching staff in the NFL other than the Niners, of course, that loves Debo Samuel the way this coaching staff does, and they're trying. Uh, I will tell Jet fans that they are trying, and uh, the door is the door is more open than I think it's ever been for Debo Samuel to be traded. I'm going to leave it there. They're definitely trying. They're definitely trying, but it is the door's definitely open. more one-sided from what I hear. The, the door's o- I'm telling you right now, the door is open. Okay. So, we'll. hey, the clock is ticking. I'm not making – I just take it for what you will. I don't yep. care if – yeah, just – I'm pretty confident. The clock is most certainly ticking on the Debo Samuel front. 11, let's go to the commanders. Jake? I'm pretty confident that they're they're going receiver. I just don't know who a receive. I don't really know who the receiver will be. I look at North Turner's history though. What is he like? Bigger bodied receivers, and the one that I always think of is Vincent Jackson. Rest in peace. And who kind of reminds you of Vincent Jackson a lot in this draft class? That's Drake London, the guy that can go up and get it, kind of be that big slot, kind of the antithesis of of Terry McLaurin, who's more of a finesse route runner doesn't really have that type of ability the way that Drake London has. And I think they complement each other really well. And look who Carson once played great with last year, a receiver that is similar to Drake London and Michael Pittman Jr. Sim- oddly enough, teammates at a USC. The only other guy I could see here is one of the Ohio State guys. I, I think Wilson would be the pick if he falls, or Chris Olave might tempt them to pair with Terry McLaurin. But I'm, I'm going to go with Drake London here to the commanders. Before we move on to number 12, I want to just uh, give out some breaking news, some earth-shattering news that uh, affects both of us greatly. Uh, Joey Gallo just hit his first home run of the year. I heard something else is going on in the Yankee game right now, too. Well, let's go take a look. Take a look when you uh, when you tell us your number 12 selection, the Minnesota Vikings. Jake, what do you got? Truly, truly <laughs> think they're trying to trade out, have no idea what the hell they're doing. I think 12 to about 15 
is the range for this player. I don't think he makes it past the Eagles at 15. And that is Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. I think the Vikings are intrigued by maybe pairing him up with Harrison Smith. That could be a good little duo. Trade back spot, though. I think I think a team's trading up for – I think if Malik Willis is still on the board at 12, I think somebody's trading up. And let me preface my Malik Willis destination, if I can, before we get there. They will have to trade up, but I, I'm – I'm told I I don't want to like I don't want to be like wrong wrong but just everything the arrows are pointing towards is one team really having an affinity for Malik Willis. I've heard almost the same. We'll get there, but there are Kyle teams Hamilton there are teams that are smitten, but then there are one There's or two one, that are in that are one, in love. one stands out. We will we will most certainly get there. Number 13, the Texans, their second first-round pick. I think this, too, could be a possible trade-out spot. just depends on what the options are for the Houston Texans at this spot. But, uh, Jake, who do you got? Agreed. Could be a trade-out spot. But here I think they take Jermaine Johnson. They need another defense. They need a pass rusher, badly, putting it mildly. That's why I think, you know, they could take Kayvon Thibodeau at three, but think just Icky Aquan is a better overall prospect. So I think they go that route if that's how the board shakes. But I go Jermaine Johnson here, who can go as high as four to the New York Jets. Fits in perfectly in that Lovey Smith defense, and that could be their franchise edge rusher. And they build in the trenches, and that's how you correctly build a football team, in my opinion, from the inside out. So this is the Houston Texans. Do they know how to build a football team properly? Probably not. Probably will be wrong, but we have to just go based off of logic here if we don't know anything else, right, buddy? Exactly, and you hit the nail right on the head. The way you build a football team is on the lines first, and then you work your way out. That is the way that it works, and everybody knows that. Will the Texans know that? Who knows? But I do have some level of faith in Lovey Smith to figure it out, given he's been in this kind of situation before where he's had to – tear down and then rebuild a program. So I I have a little bit of faith that he can, that he has gotcha. some, some semblance of what he's doing, but then again, it is the Houston Texans. So Brutal. It, it's, it's, it's maybe like, the, it's maybe if we were talking about the, the jets from maybe five years ago, Agreed. That, like the, the, the Mike McCagney era jets. You just, you, you just want to make me upset. <laughs> you just want to get me upset. You want you want me to be more sick than you are right now. Oh God, Carry I can't. La- I I can't laugh too much. I just have like that that but, that deep little little uh, phlegm thing. Yeah, well, oh, it's then, disgusting. Then no, it's disgusting. It's really gross. Let's move on. The Baltimore Ravens, number fourteen. Jake, do they go best uh, player? I go Trevor available? Penning. I go Trevor Penning, not the best player available for me, but I think he mm-hmm. fits that Definitely kind of either. Ravens mold, nasty offensive lineman that will play smash mouth football Raven tie. He really reminds me of a true Raven. I think they have a hole at right tackle. I know they signed my guy, Morgan Moses, but he's okay. It's not necessarily a franchise right tackle. And especially with uh, who's coming back from the injury over there. Um, one of their, uh, Marlon Humphrey? Got hurt. no, one of their offensive linemen got hurt last year. So oh, Ronnie Stanley, Ronnie Stanley. Thank you. I'm like, yeah, I'm you're not Marshall Yonda. He retired. I'm like the other great guy. <laughs> um, Yes, Penning fits that mold. I think they prefer him over Charles Cross. I've heard the same. 
that, that they prefer penning over cross. Now, I, what I did want to ask you about this as well, because I was curious about where you had Hamilton. Do you think, let's just play a hypothetical game before we move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. If Hamilton is here at 14, do you think Hamilton makes it past? No, I, I don't. I don't think the Ravens take a safe. I don't think it's in the Ravens' DNA to take a safety this high. Interesting. I don't think so. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. I've heard some. Think, pe- I've heard some think, people say it's a fit. No, nah, I think it's a fit, but I just don't think it's in their DNA. I don't think it gets past the Philadelphia Eagles' this next team because I heard they're they're committed to rebuilding their secondary. Yeah. Oh, I yes, I, that was my spot for him. Was if he's gonna fall. With the Eagles having two first-round picks and they have nope. to rebuild their defense, yeah, Hamilton won't get past the Eagles. But I have Hamilton going before this anyway. Um, but speaking of the Eagles, here we are, Philadelphia Eagles at number fifteen. Jake, what do you yeah, got? The best corner I have available on the board, Trent McDuffie. A lot of people might think this might be high for him, but you know me, I'm a big Trent McDuffie guy. From when we did the corner show, I see the fit. I think that the Eagles need defense, 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 if they're going to stick with Jalen Hurts. So Trent McDuffie, I know we have to get it moving along a little bit here. So I'm trying to give you more rapid fire now that the Jets are off the board. So I know I got to talk about right. the Cowboys for a half an hour. So yeah, oh, I'm please. going with the Eagles. Um, see, I don't think I don't think it's that high for McDuffie because corners are always gonna have value. They're oh, always gonna it. be they're always gonna be taken a bit higher. And I mean, when you have two first round picks like the Eagles do, it's not like you have to make, you know, your one count because you have another first round pick that you can go ahead and burn. So you could take a chance on a guy like McDuffie. And then when the Eagles are up again in three picks, they can then decide what's there. So and we'll get to what you you what you're thinking the Eagles do in just a second. But the New Orleans Saints, their first of two first round picks before you get to who you have them taking. I want to ask you this first. Do you think the New Orleans Saints make two first round selections Thursday night? Um, Depends how the board is shaking out. I think there's a good chance that they do because I think they see this division as pretty wide open. They beat the Bucs twice. Last year, they beat the Bucs twice in the regular season, two years in a row. And then let's not forget, Jared Cook fumbled the game away in the playoffs too. Yep, And I look at the Saints with two glaring needs on their team. I think their defense is bloated. I think that's a pretty safe thing to say. I think the two biggest holes are offensive tackle and wide receiver. We'll see who I have them taking. That's why I have them taking here, Charles Cross. I know the quarterback might be the pick, but I think they truly believe Jameis Winston can take them to the playoffs this year. He was on pace to do so last year. I think if he stays healthy, they do go to the playoffs. Beat the, like I said, they beat the Bucs twice. Got the same team pretty much come back. And without Teron Armstead, that was a huge loss for them. I think they luck out here and get Charles Cross, a plug-and-play left tackle. I think you're beyond ecstatic if you're – nah, Sean Payton's gone. If you're Dennis Allen. Make, yeah, and not to mention the that Saints. They might be improving with getting Michael Thomas back. Now, there's obviously a big question as to whether or not Michael Thomas actually wants to play football, much like – Maybe someone else that you know whether or not he wants to play basketball or not, but that's no. a <coughs> me. Oh my god! That's, that's just God telling you to you know watch your tone. L- literally, I, I, I talk I talk about the man. He just he just gets me coughing and, and hacking up a lung. But I I do think the Saints 
they were one game away from being in the playoffs last year. They don't have to be in a spot where they have to tear it down this year. They could see what they have in Jameis Winston. They can let him roll for a year. If the team is terrible and Jameis is not the guy, they'll have a top 10 pick next year. Well, they won't have a top 10 pick next year. They traded away their 2023 first round pick. So they have guys. Yeah. They have guys that can net them a first round pick though. For sure. I think so. And I think they're going for it this year. They they can't they brought Dennis Allen on to be the coach too. Mm-hmm. I think that means something. I don't think that's the type of move that you make to rebuild. No. I think that's a that I think that's a let's keep it going type of move. I agree. I agree with you 100%. And there really weren't any outside hires that were made either. No, none. With this coaching staff. They really just it was next man up sort of thing. They promoted from within and that was kind of it. They really kept the ship just kind of functioning. They just, they really just took the captain and threw him up a board. You know, that was, that was kind of it. And they just moved everybody up. That's it. The Saints, the Saints are in a good spot. They can go in a lot of different directions. Um, again, I, I kind of struggle with them not having a quarterback with these two picks just because of all the assets that they've traded around. But if they think that this is a matter of, yeah, this is just us retooling, getting another first-round pick, so that way we can try and compete this year, then it really depends on what kind of pieces are you getting. And I mean, we'll have more on that when they get to number 19 for you. Yeah, so, so I think a replacement for Teron Armstead is a great place to start. <laughs> oh, they have to get a replacement for Teron Armstead. And, and listen, I'm not the biggest Charles Cross guy in the world, but I mean, you're getting him at 16. I mean, there are teams that tell me that He's that's a steal at 16. There are teams that think he's a top 12, top 14 talent, which to me, I don't get. But then again, I'm not, I'm not a Charles Cross guy. I'm not a Trayvon Walker guy either. And he's going to be taking number one overall odds are. So yeah. take that for what you will. Uh, 17, the Chargers. Yeah, I just go with best player available here. Um, I go Jordan Davis. Just because they really don't have a ton of needs, so and they could use a run stuffer on the defensive line. Absolutely, I think an, another one for them could be Trevor Penning. I heard oh, I've heard absolutely. that they that they absolutely love Trevor Penning, or even Charles Cross if he makes it, if he makes it to them. But I think, with I no think offensive lineman here, Davis makes a lot of sense. A wild card is Drake London if he falls. Just putting out that brief little nugget there. Yeah, I, I, I can most definitely see that. Getting Justin Herbert another weapon, and you have Mike Williams, Drake London, and Keenan Allen. Yeah. And Austin Eckler. Ugh. Yeah, I like that a lot. And you're, you're going to need to put up points in the uh, in the AFC if you have a chance to win the Super Bowl. 18, back to the Eagles. Desperately need a linebacker. And I think mm-hmm. you walk away with this retooling your secondary, and you go with the best linebacker in the draft, Devin Lloyd. And this would make me really sad if it happens because I do love Devin Lloyd a whole lot. And I've, I've even heard that Dallas is looking to trade up over Philadelphia to take Devin Lloyd. Interesting. Which I, I don't know if I love it so much because then that would kind of mean that Micah Parsons is slotted in as your defensive end edge rusher, sort of. I don't love that. No, I don't love it either. He could do it. He can do it. But I mean, unless the plan is, He's kind of you move him, you move him around, and you have him and Lloyd as your linebackers when Leighton Van Der Esch comes off the field. Maybe that's the play, but I don't. I, I wouldn't want Micah Parsons to be that kind of guy whose head is in the dirt more times than not. 
Agreed. Agreed. Even though I love Micah, I think he could do anything. The man, the man can cure world hunger for, for all I'm concerned. The man is incredible. Man might be able to even get Ben Simmons to play basketball. All right, get off your knees now. Time, time <laughs> to move on. Number 19, the Saints once again. They put another Ohio State Buckeye on the other side of Michael Thomas here, Chris Olave. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I'll tell you what, Chris Olave in fantasy. Worth a little bit of a dart throw later on in fantasy drafts with Jameis oh, Winston back there. Yes. I have said it all along that if they do bring in a first-round receiver, no matter who it is, I would like that guy over Michael Thomas. Especially on the ADP. Oh, yeah. And if so, it's and I, just from people that I've talked to over the last couple of days, more the fantasy people, not necessarily the, the draft people, the fantasy industry is pretty high on Garrett Wilson. They're pretty high on Jameson Williams. They're pretty high on Drake London. Not many are really high on Olave. And, and I think this will change their minds. I think it could. Uh, hell, I think there are three spots for Olave that make a ton of sense where if he were to go there, you could be talking about him being the first receiver, first rookie receiver taken off the board here with New Orleans, Green Bay, and Arizona. Arizona is interesting. Arizona is really interesting, but I think he would be he'd be the second outside receiver, or at the very least, you play him in the slot, or you put DeAndre Hopkins in the slot. You keep him outside with AJ Green and and D Hop. Boom, done. Agreed. No, I like it a lot. Number twenty. This Pittsburgh is where Steelers. Yeah, this is where he comes off the board. Malik Willis, quarterback, Liberty. This is the team for Malik Willis. I think they like what they have with Mitchell Trubisky, but they don't think he's the long-term answer, but they think they can compete this year with Mitchell Trubisky. I think they see where the era of football is going with these quarterbacks that can run and be mobile and have these arms that are never seen before to throw the ball 80 yards in the air down the field. And in a division with Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, now Deshaun Watson, you need a guy that measures up and has the same attributes as those guys and those rare traits. Mitchell Trubisky seems like a nice guy, could win you some games, but he is not that guy. I think you take the quarterback with the highest ceiling in the whole draft in Malik Willis and sit him for a year, and who knows? Maybe he will be ready to play earlier, and maybe your season doesn't go as planned, but at least you have something to look forward to with Malik Willis. I think they'll have to trade up, but I would be stunned if the Pittsburgh Steelers do not find a way to have Malik Willis on their roster by the end of Thursday night. I like the fit, the Willis fit with, with Pittsburgh, and I do agree with you that they are going to have to trade up. I know in my mock, I do have Willis going before 20. So for me, it would have to be a trade up for Pittsburgh to get him. I but agree. I do agree. I, I I think out of all the out of all the quarterbacks that are available, yeah, you can you could talk about Pickett to Pittsburgh. Obviously, the the Pitt Panther connection, him playing his college game at Heinz Field. The, the link the links are all there. I don't think Pickett, though, is what Pittsburgh needs because Pittsburgh has Trubisky. They seem comfortable with Trubisky being the guy, at least to start 2022. Malik Willis has got to work on just being a passer. He has all the arm talent in the world. He has all the athletic traits that that any scout dreams of. But as a pocket passer, which is where you make a lot of your money, he's not there yet. So he's got to work on that, and he would have the opportunity to really grow 
behind Mitch Trubisky in Pittsburgh. And if Pittsburgh is out of it or Mitch Trubisky gets hurt or something like that, Malik Willis comes in, he's got a chance to win the job, and he's got a whole crew of offensive weapons ready to go to help him out. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris. It's well-equipped. It's well-equipped if and when Malik Willis is forced to take over as starter for the Steelers, if this were to occur. I love it. Sign me up in fantasy, too. It's like, you know, a we'll see type of thing. If... If you could tell me, and I, I don't want it to be this way, but if he were a starter in week one, I may have Malik Willis as a top 15 option in fantasy. We'll have to see. We will it just depends see, where. Buddy. It depends where. Oh, this is, is one of them. This is one of the spots. This is one of the spots, and Seattle will be one of the spots. I would have him just because of the legs. Maybe. Just because of yep. the legs and, and the rushing ability that he has. He would be a top 15 option for me, week one. 21, the New England Patriots. I think this is a prime trade down spot because this is Bill Belichick. He plays chess while we all play checkers. But Jake, what do you have Bill Belichick and the Evil Empire done? And Belichick loves drafting offensive linemen in the first round, and I think he stays in his own backyard, especially with the gaping hole at guard now. I think he takes Zion Johnson as a plug-and-play Offensive guard in that offense. They need two guards. They need two guards. They lost Shaq Basin and they lost uh, Ted Karras in in free agency this offseason. So they need an option there. And if it's not Zion Johnson, I think Kenyon Green makes sense. And I think um, Tyler Smith makes sense as well. But Zion Johnson, of course, the Boston College kid, makes loads of sense. Yeah, tore it up at the Senior Bowl, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. 22, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, it's it's like an insert pass catcher here, and I think this guy is a lot better than what people are giving him credit for. I'm going with Traylon Burks out of Arkansas to be Aaron Rodgers' new number one wide receiver. And let me tell you something. Yeah, that sign me up in fantasy if uh, Traylon Burks or whoever honestly goes to the Packers, but – particularly Burks, I think that's kind of the receiver that Aaron Rodgers has been missing, right? That big, tall, fast, not not saying Devontae Adams, obviously he's Devontae Adams, but that vertical, Traylon Burks is a vertical threat. Mm -hmm. Like Devontae Adams wasn't this like burner, you know, can go up again. He's obviously a route running magician and knows how to get open. And when he has the ball in his hands, good luck bringing him down. But I think Burks will be one of the best receivers in the league eventually with the Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. I think the game tape is faster than what he ran. He's not the 0 to 40 type of guy. And you go to this offense with Matt LaFleur, especially ways to get the ball in your hands. I think this is a great fit for Burks. I think they need that bigger receiver especially for blocking purposes too. Can't forget that too in a Shanahan type of offense. Yeah, the thing with DeVonte Adams is the way he beat you is with his own technical ability and his own route running prowess. The way Traylon Burks is going to beat you with his physicality, with his speed, with his size. So I agree. It is completely different than maybe what Aaron Rodgers has had in the past. And he never really has had this kind of this kind of receiver with the overall physical traits that Traylon Burks possesses. And I don't think this will be the only receiver that Green Bay takes uh, in this draft. So it's a good place to start if you are Green Bay and you take Traylon Burks, and it would it would null and void our bet, which I would love a lot. 
I'd love that a lot. 23, the Cardinals. I see this pick for you, and it makes me really, really sad because I want him at 24. I just think this guy's a first-round pick, and I was trying to just find a spot for this guy in the first round, and an offensive coach in Cliff Kingsbury. I just don't see how somebody in the 20s can pass on this. This guy is a top-five player in this draft from a talent standpoint. So, yeah, Arizona at 23. Why not? I think they could probably go with a corner or a pass rusher. But you want to protect Kyler Murray, don't you? I think this talented of a player, I think that works. You're about to pay Kyler Murray, who gets hurt all the time, all this money, right? Just putting two and two. I haven't heard anything on this, but I'm just trying to put two and two together here. I mean, hell, I, I want Tyler Linderbaum on, on Dallas. Uh, that's what I'm hoping Dallas spends there. Uh, first round pick on instead of who you have them taking at 24. And and again, this is just kind of just a spitball. I think they are taking an edge rusher. Why not George Karloff, right? Like sure. I, I, give me give me any combination here of Karloftis, Arnold Debichetti, Boye Mafe. Who else you want to throw into the ring? Like um, are we just talking? Ta- I just think those two edge I, rushers. I think those are really the, th- I think they're taking an edge rusher. I don't know how you can just go from wanting to pay Randy Gregory all of this money to just saying, what's their, what, what have they done to replace him? Like Michael Parsons with his hand in the dirt. Well, they also, they also signed Dante Fowler. So I don't know if they, if Dante Fowler is going to be your, no. your answer. No, no, I, I think they, I think they go edge rusher or, Honestly, like, would it be that crazy for them to take another corner? No. Uh, like, I can see corner, and honestly, the guy I would love to see them take, but they might see it as a little bit of a reach, is one of these safeties, Daxton Hill or, or Lewis Seen. But I think they go edge rusher, and I think Karloff, this is a little bit better than you give him credit for. I think he's disruptive, but I don't think – I think the thing with Karloff is that people kind of get sidetracked on is, yes, he might not be one of the best – pass rushers in pro football, but I can see this guy being a pretty good starter for a long time and a guy that's in the league and makes those disruptive, dirty type of plays. And honestly, quite frankly, a guy that this Dallas defense needs that brings a lot of edge to the offense, to the defensive line. He's very safe. He's very safe, but he's not a guy that's going to lead a, an edge rushing room. He'll be a great number two option. And if you can tell me that Demarcus Lawrence is going to be there for 14, 15 games, I won't even say 17. I'll just say 14, 15 games for Demarcus Lawrence. Give me that amount. I'm fine with it. But odds are Demarcus Lawrence is going to miss some time and you're going to have Carl Loftus being, being the guy on his own. And I don't know if I love it so much for the ceiling, but if you're talking about floor guys can provide steady production. Yeah. I, I, I like it. It's, it's not exciting. I think Karloftis <clears throat> has a lot of potential that hasn't been tapped into either. I think he's rather raw, and I think he just needs to learn more. How to? I think he needs to learn more as a overall rusher because he gets in the backfield, no problem. Like he can beat guys and win. I just think what's next needs to be a point of emphasis in the pro development of, of George Karloftis. But I could see, I, I could see it though. I, I, I could. I could also see the Ebiketti kid too. I can too. I can. I can, I can absolutely too. see that. I don't know how. Like people talk about Karloftis falling out. I don't see George Karloftis falling out of the first round. I really, 
I don't think he does. I think he the floor is 28 to the Packers for him. I think I had him close to falling out of the first round, but I don't think I have him falling out. I don't see it. I can even see New England taking him at 21, too, to be honest with you. I, I think that – That's where his window starts, I think, yeah, 21. Yeah, I, I think so, too. But, yeah, man, I think this is the type of guy that Dallas needs on their off, on their defensive line. A tr- just a truly steady presence that will bring attitude, yeah. edge, can do the can do the dirty work. Give me Carl Loftus. Twenty five, the Buffalo Bills. It almost has to be a corner, right? I know everyone wants to mock the running back, but I just don't see that happening. I go with Andrew Booth Jr. Obviously, you know I'm not the biggest fan of his, but you're playing a lot of man coverage in Buffalo with the way they blitz, the way they put Tre'Davious White on an island can take a lot of pressure off Andrew Booth can cover up his flaws. The only downside to that would be, you know, as a rookie corner on the other side of one of the best corners in football, you might have a long day at the office. Right. So I go with Booth on upside. I also would not be surprised if it is Guy Elam out of Florida, but give me a corner pretty confident in saying that for Buffalo at 25. Only other thing I could see them doing is taking a tackle. That's the only other thing. What, an offensive tackle or do you, yes, uh, defense offensive tackle? tackle. That's interesting because I thought it would be hard for them to pass on like a Devontae Wyatt or maybe a Jordan Davis if he really falls. An offensive tackle, I guess, is kind of interesting too. But at this point, I think 25 is a little rich if the bigger fish are off the board. Like I think Tyler Smith is a little bit of a reach here at 25. All right, Jake, let's go to the Tennessee Titans at 26. What do you got? Ironically enough, I go Kenyon Green here. Right, Roger Saffold, sense. Uh, obviously out of the picture. They might need a guy on the other side. of And Taylor Lewan has not been necessarily the staple of health over the last uh, some odd years. So no. I go green. This is truly an interesting one, too, because they can kind of go a whole different ways with this pick. They could take a linebacker who they desperately need. I think here is like kind of early, especially with the talent like green on the board or – you know, maybe what you know what I can maybe see a receiver going here too. Let's just do, I don't know if Robert Woods is available to start off the year on the other side of AJ Brown. AJ Brown needs to be paid soon. We don't know how that situation will unfold in Tennessee. It might be a good idea to have a contingency plan. But hear me out here. Could this be a sleeper team to take a quarterback in the draft? See, it's very interesting because I am. I, I, I'm not being rude. I'm actually on my phone right now. I just saw something pop up on my screen as we were talking about Tennessee from a source texting me that Matt Corral is of interest to the Tennessee Titans. I could absolutely see a quarterback going here. Let me preface my comments about Matt Corral and maybe to a lesser extent, Desmond Ritter. I'm, I don't have them going in this because we didn't allow trades, but I think there is a team that will trade into the bottom of the first round if Matt Corral is there, I don't know about Ritter, but if Matt Corral is there, I, there's no way Matt Corral. I think the easiest bet you can make in Vegas right now is Matt Corral under 32 and a half picks at even odds. I think that is a slam dunk. He is not getting out of the first round. No way. Completely. Totally agree. Because you're at the end of the first round, you have the Detroit lions who they could take a quarterback to groom their next guy to be the next base of the franchise. I could see Seattle really going after Matt Corral too and trading back into the bottom of that first round. Sure. Absolutely. I think it's a that's great bet to make. That's a yep. great bet to make. If it's, if it's not Seattle, you have the lions, 
Uh, you potentially could have the Houston Texans if they want if they wanted to trade back in Atlanta. Uh, if Carolina doesn't take a quarterback at six, that could be the avenue that they go. I think it's a great bet to take. I, I, I really, really do. Okay, 27, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I would say defensive tackle here. I'm going to go with Devontae Wyatt, the highest one on the board, although I think Travis Jones might tempt Todd Bowles because knowing Todd Bowles the way I do from when he was the Jets head coach, Travis Jones is a lot like a Todd Bowles defensive tackle, and I know Todd Bowles loves his defensive tackles. I think ideally Tampa would like to take an interior offensive lineman. I don't know if either Green or Zion Johnson will be there, obviously losing Ali Marpet in – due to retirement during the offseason was a big blow to the Tampa offensive line that obviously needs to protect Tom Brady. So I go Wyatt best player. I also, this is also by far the best player available. I have on my board, Devonte yeah. Wyatt. So fills a need and Dominican Sue is not back on the roster yet. I think they go tackle and I go with the highest rated one I have in Devonte Wyatt. And I've heard Devonte Wyatt can go as high as the top 20 that he could be you in like the 15 to 20 range. I thought the Texans at 13 was an inch. I, I like, would you be shocked if he goes ahead of Jordan Davis in this draft? Like, uh-uh. I wouldn't Not either. I wouldn't either, but I went with the safer route with him. I'm going to go with 27 to Tampa as the lowest of lows. So I have my mock up right next to it just to kind of compare and contrast. I have Jordan Davis ahead of Wyatt, but by two spots. Yeah. So it's plausible. Very plausible. I really think Wyatt's window opens with Philadelphia at 15. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think if the – I know we're talking about – if the Jets trade back or trade back in, I think they're very high on Wyatt and Jordan Davis because they have a gaping hole at defensive tackle and their own yeah. defense was horrific from a year ago. Keep an eye on them. I believe it. I believe it. And they provide a great partner to, to Quinn and Williams. And if you want to completely remake that defensive line with – Thibodeau, you have Quinton Williams, you have Carl Lawson coming back, and you want to bring in one more one more uh, defensive tackle, boom, done. You completely remake your defensive line with really three new faces. Yeah. We and that and that just makes your job as a, as a Jets defensive player a lot easier. 28, the Packers, their second first-round pick, Jake. This is the first, like, oh, that might have been a second-round pick, but he goes kind of like a Peyton Turner. Remember last year I was pretty high on Peyton Turner, and I said, listen, yeah. don't be surprised. Like, this guy could definitely be a first-round pick. And he went at the bottom of the first round to New Orleans. I go with Arnold DeBichetti, my favorite. He's not my number one rated, but, like, that guy, that guy that was – he kind of feels like my type of guy. Your guy. My guy that I was really on from the beginning of this whole process and Arnold Ebiketti out of Penn State. And Zadarius Smith is not walking through that door again. I think you need another pass rusher. I think you solve your pass catcher need at 22. You have the next round. I think they should double dip at wide receiver. I don't think you take two in the first round. I think one and two, you take a wide receiver. I go with Arnold Ebiketti here and you run with it. And then you figure out the rest on day two. And I think that's a great first round for, I don't think it's a reach at all at 28, to be honest with you. I, I am fully of the mindset that Arnold Debichetti will be a first round pick on Thursday. I have heard as high as 20 with Pittsburgh, 21 with the Patriots that he, that he could go. It's he, not crazy with Arnold Debichetti. He gets to all. the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, he gets the quarterback. The only Teams thing with him. Will, yeah. 
only with him is that he's very, very raw. But that's we, we've seen worse. Like, if that's his only problem and he just needs to be coached up a little bit, all right. Coaches have to coach. Uh, uh, darn. Terrible. But I like it a lot. I like the fit. You put him right next to Preston Smith, and boom. You, you've completely solved your pass rushing issues in Green Bay with the departure of Zedarius Smith. First of two back-to-back picks for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jake, do you think the Chiefs make both of these picks? No, I think they trade up. They said recently they have 18 to 20 players who they have a first-round grade on. They have a, an abundance of resources. They don't have that many holes on the roster. They will trade up. That's why I think, listen, uh, Jets, if you like Jamison Williams at 10, uh, you, you better act accordingly because I could see Kansas City even jumping them to get Jamison Williams. So. Uh, let, let's not fool around there if that's truly the guy. But if they were to stay for the sake of the exercise, back-to-back, I'll give you 29 and 30 for just why not. I yeah, think Christian, Christian Watson, for obvious reasons, we know the speed. Very self-explanatory. The yeah, self-explan- you can go back, go back and listen to the past catchers episode. We waxed lyrical about Christian Watson. Yeah, so there you go there. And then at 30, I have Kyrie Elam. They need a corner. Tredavious Ward is gone. He is in San Francisco, if I, if yep. I remember correctly. That's correct. Uh, you know, you're going to play Josh Allen again, and you're going to have a minute 30 left to stop them before, you know, 13 seconds. We know how that story all ended. Probably need some guys that can cover the opposing wide receivers. And I think their pass rush is pretty decent right now. I think this is also another interesting spot for maybe a Nebuchadne, Boye, Mafe type late first round pass rushers. But I go with the corner with really good. I, I, I liked, you know, we have Andrew Booth and, and I, you know, I like Trent McDuffie. I would not be surprised if Kyrie Elam is like in that realm of with the Stingleys and the uh, obviously sauce gardeners. I think Kyrie Elam could be in that class. And I think it's worth the gamble here. If you're Kansas city and you, you make both picks. It's worth the gamble. It's worth the gamble. Cause they, they need corners. And for looking at the board here, there really isn't another corner outside of Elam that screams. Yeah. That, that, that's a possible fit here with Watson. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? I mean, Watson is a little raw, has an issue with the drops, but with all the athleticism, the physical tools, the consistency, all there, all there, the Watson one, that's a slam dunk. He's there. I've heard Dallas is one of the teams that's also considering Christian Watson at 24, that he's on the list. Listen, I was going through the list for for Watson. Like, I really think, like, let's go back while we're on him right now. Like, would it really surprise you if, like, the Saints with two first-round picks, the Eagles, who are very high on Jalen Rigger, somewhere in there in the teens? True. Maybe if, if Philadelphia decides to trade back at 15 or 18, Jets maybe trade back more assets. Yeah. True. New England, New England. Yep. I mean, how long are they going to go without giving Mac Jones the number one receiver? I know they traded and, for Devontae Parker, yeah, but please let's calm down now. And also maybe even Arizona. Yeah. I, I yeah, think, sure. I think he, I've heard some people, uh, I, I think he's a first-round pick. I think we're pretty safe, and I think the floor is one of those Kansas City picks. I agree. I agree. I think I think it's probably his – that is the floor for him, I think. All right. 
31, Cincinnati Bengals, the winners of the AFC conference. Jake, who do you have them taking? Let me just preface by saying I don't think they make this pick. I think this is a team that trades back into the first round for Matt Corral uh, because obviously with the Lions there at 32 and the Lions picking again early in the second round, you don't want to, you know, if you like Matt Corral, that's the team that's in Cincinnati. The that's mm-hmm. the spot if he's still there. And even Desmond Ritter to, to a lesser extent. I think both could go in the first round. I just had a tough time finding those trade partners, but both could go late first round. I'm not going to give you the team, but if Cincinnati for some reason stays on the board, we're sticking with the exercise of no trades. I go with Tyler Smith, the off, the the, uh, the offensive tackle out of Tulsa, a guy that scouts are very high on. If let's just say Jacksonville starts off the draft with um, one of the pass rushers, Trayvon Walker or Aiden Hutchinson, I would be floored and flabbergasted to see Tyler Smith get past the 33rd overall pick uh, with Doug Peterson in charge there. I agree. I agree because he gives you that versatility, can play tackle, can play guard. Yeah, there was even some talk that he could play center as well. He's versatile. So, yeah, yeah, very and versatile. He, and he is a mean, <clears throat> nasty, like culture, tone setter type of guy that would fit in beautifully with what they're doing in Cincinnati or an even a rebuilding team in, in Jacksonville. So I think 31 is kind of like the start of his window. Maybe even earlier, maybe Green Bay at 28 gets some ideas, but – if Cincinnati stays, I think Smith is the de facto guy. Let me give you the uh, the pick that I made for Cincinnati, just a little teaser for tomorrow night. I actually had Cincinnati t- uh, taking Trey McBride. Interesting. I heard Trey McBride might fall out of the second round. Very interesting. Yeah, I I I think people are not very bullish on this tight end class. I could see it. I, I can don't definitely think so. see it. I, yeah, I mean, listen, I would I be surprised to see Trey McBride go there? I could see it, but they need, they, like, what what are they doing at that? Like, oh. you know, Jonah Williams, really? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, initially my pick for them was going to be Linderbaum, but uh, when I made the few calls that I made about they, they Linderbaum, paid the center. It, it's, it's not looking like Linderbaum is going to no. be even near the 30s either. I think if Linderbaum gets by Dallas at 24, I think he is not going in the first round. I truly believe that. I think I there's a team though that could tra- could trade back in for him, unless that happens. Yes, <clears throat> which we can't really forecast. But if the board remains the same, I don't think he's a first rounder. Really if don't. The, if the board remains the same, yeah, there's there is that possibility. Yeah, which would I I would be sick to my stomach, and believe me, I'm pretty sick as it is. I would be even worse. I know. Thirty two, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, this this next guy I think is a victim of just kind of being the odd man out of his situation, and that is Nicobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia. I don't understand what people's deal is with him. I really don't. I get it. Maybe the ceiling is not ideal, but the the college tape is as good as any prospect. Like seriously, a little small gets bullied against tight ends. That's that's kind of the downside with him, but everything else is, is flawless. Okay. But I I saw a guy that the reps were great. Like Mm -hmm. this guy is pro ready and he's the type of guy where we look back and say, wow, all those rumors about Nicobe Dean. Are you kidding me? Like this guy is going to pro bowls and he's a great starter. He might not be, you know, the all pro Bobby Wagner's and the uh, uh, Navarro Bowman's. I don't remember him from back in the day or Fred. Of course I do. I would 
So if you're Dan Campbell at 32 and you're trying to instill a culture of not backing down from anybody and being smart, savvy, aggressive, physical football players, Nicobe Dean is your guy to be that anchor and the tone setter, the emotional leader of the Detroit Lions defense that was horrific last year and could not stop anybody and just were pushed all over the field. That's the guy to me to get with Nicobe Dean. And it should be noted that the only top 30 visit Nicobe Dean did take was with Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions, who had a very big presence at the Georgia Pro Day as well. I think with Green, with Nicobe Dean, I will also put out there, I think the pectoral injury did not help him with this whole draft process. I think that was definitely a, a demerit, uh, if you would. And also, you play on a defense with Trayvon Walker, who might be the first overall pick, Louis Cien, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, two, two run-stuffing giants on that defensive line makes your life a whole lot easier as a linebacker. I think that's wrongly being used against him. And he might be the steal of, I'll come out here and say it. I really think he could eventually be the steal of this whole first round. I completely agree with you. I think, you know, when we look back on it, maybe two months ago, we were talking about or seeing the Kobe Dean at 32nd overall. And we were saying exactly that, that, Oh man, the lions got on the clock at 32 and the Kobe Dean is just sitting there. They're going to feel like they're getting a steal at that price. And I still believe that. I still very much believe that with them. I think that'll prevent them from taking a quarterback. I really would. I I could see that being a real decision. Because if you're the Lions, too, you need to think, like, listen, Jacksonville Jacksonville at 33 could very well take him. They just lost Miles Jack because he didn't necessarily fit the Doug Peterson 3-4. This, this, N'Kobe Dean fits in Jacksonville. Like, if you're Detroit, you like him, I think you need to take him. He might not get back to you at 34. He he may not. He may not. And you ha- you'll have options, I think, with just the way your mock is, is laid out. You'll have the option at 34 with your choice of Corral or Ritter or Sam Howell. Yeah. But like I said, though, there will be trades. I think Detroit and their overall best start would be 32 Nicobe Dean and 34 Louis Cien. Reunite the Georgia boys, get some toughness, get restore their one pride, right? The Lions get some damn pride back in the mm-hmm. building in Detroit and put an emphasis on actually stopping somebody on defense and go from there. What Dan Campbell has said is that he wants to put a product that is competitive out on the field right now. And those are with two an dogs. Eye of looking for the future. Yep. I think with you, with you're taking the Kobe Dean, Louisine, and with Aiden Hutchinson as well. You have that. You have that. If you take a quarterback at one of those picks at 232 or 34, you're also doing that because you have Jared Goff there. He's your guy for 2022. You can get out of his contract very easily at the end of the year. And then 2023, whomever the guy is that you draft, boom, there's your successor. Done. Yeah. Like, it's the Lions, though. It is the Lions, though, and common sense does elude them at times. All right, a little bit of breaking news. Sure. I hate to interrupt. I know we're no. getting ready to wrap up. No, go ahead. This is not any of my reporting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you trust this guy. Very interesting story about this guy. I find him pretty entertaining. I don't know. If, are you familiar with Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network? I am. Tony Pauline was live with Trey Wingo talking about the possibility that the Jets will land Debo Samuel. He said it's very likely he will be a New York Jet by tomorrow. Very interesting. 
and the 10th pick will be in return to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know how much you trust Tony. It's very interesting. I don't know if you ever see that video about the Kyle. I don't know if you ever see the Kyle Brady video, the famous Kyle Brady video where all the Jet fans are, you know, screws. They all wanted Warren Sapp. Kind of, of kind of reminds me a little bit of the Kayvon Thibodeau situation, too. I might put put that out there, too. A little bit. But Pauline was in the video. Boomer can't throw the ball past six yards anyway. We're going to go out the field with eight tight ends next year. So I had to interrupt because we, we spent a little bit of time on Depot Samuel. So take that for what you will. Definitely doing. I'm definitely going to check up on that too to see if uh, anybody else can 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 corroborate that. And hopefully, we'll have more information on that tomorrow night when Adam and I do our mocks. But that is Jake's mock. Jake, please enjoy the first round of the NFL draft. You will be in Atlantic City for it, and yep. we will be hearing from you. Maybe it'll only be on one first round pick for the New York Jets. Maybe the only one to discuss. Yeah, listen, I love the whole NFL. I love this whole draft. Listen, I spent months watching these guys. I'm watching every damn pick while I'm there. And yeah. thankfully, I think God was just telling me that there won't be any Nets basketball. Like, we are going to get this over with. And I got to say, as a fan, it is much better getting swept than losing in seven games. It really is. Oh, absolutely. It, it really is. It's just like, okay, we weren't good enough. We try again next year. When you lose in seven, it's, well, we were close. Let's, let's run it back. Now we know right. that we need to kind of, you know, make some big, big time changes. And I as, think they will. As shitty as this was hurting, you hurt more when you lost the bucks in oh, seven games. Come on. It wasn't even, a, it wasn't even comparable. Right. right. And, and also like if they lose in seven games, they would trot out the same roster. Like they kind of did last year. And now we know, Hey, listen, like we can't have, and I hate to get off topic. I know we got to go, but we can't have, well, I'll be back on the basement talk podcast next week, but it's true. Um, we can't have two guys over six foot five against guys that are close to seven feet all over the board from Milwaukee, but like that doesn't work. And I'm glad. And with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, we have a shot. There's a shot. There's a shot and it starts getting rid of Steve Nash. But as a Knicks fan, I was more than happy to see Steve Nash there. He was, he was dealt a little bit of a shitty hand, but yes, he's not a great coach, but you know, I don't want Tom Thibodeau walking through that door. Oh, I'll no. I'll tell you that much. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hey, hey, maybe maybe the Nets want to be like the Knicks and be very pro-Kentucky. And maybe they'll have Coach Cal. Coach K. Oof. I we'll mean, talk he does, he does we'll, love him some KD. We will talk Nets next week. Don't oh, worry. we will. We will. There's a lot to discuss. We will talk with some more Ben Simmons, too, because I, I cannot wait to talk about Ben Simmons with him. But that is it for Jake's Bach. That is it for this edition of the Baseball Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Stay tuned tomorrow night. Adam and I will be doing our mocks Thursday night. We will be doing the review of the first round. And then Monday, we will be doing a whole review of the draft from a fantasy perspective. Then Jake goes back on the Baseball Talk Podcast on Monday or Tuesday. Don't know when we're doing that. I don't, I don't even know yet. And we'll be talking about the draft as a whole, winners and losers from there. We'll be talking about the NBA. And then Adam and I will be doing a segment on the NHL playoffs. So the Baseball Talk podcast next week is going to be a big one. So get ready for that. It's going to be a uh, busy couple of weeks before I go on vacation. But we'll still be here because this will be the only thing I'll be doing for that for the next four weeks when I'm on vacation starting May 5th. Boy, that out there and I cannot wait. 
So for Jake, I'm Bird. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Love you guys. Bye-bye.